thank you today that as we've sung, we can look back as your people and see the goodness of your love, the goodness of your mercy following us each and every day. We thank you for your presence. We thank you that you love us very much. Whether we're young or whether we're old, it matters not to you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're intimately involved in every stage and every age of life. We thank you that you love our world. You're not trying to destroy our world or bring it down, but you do love our world. And you do not desire that any one of us should perish, but that all of us might trust in Jesus and find eternal life and the life that you want to give us, Lord. So, Lord, we just want to thank you today for that. And all God's people said, amen. Why don't we give Jesus another shout of praise in this place? Absolutely wonderful. And let's thank our musicians. Every week they bless us. They're absolutely wonderful. Well, look at the weather we're having. Look at it. Isn't God so good? Now, just imagine if you had to pay the heating bill for the heat that we're receiving. But God does it without any thought. Just imagine, I was thinking about this recently. Just imagine if you had to pay the heating bill for the, for the wonderful weather that we're receiving. Or if God charged you for the use of your lungs or you know, the oxygen that he provides. He gives everything so freely. We take it for granted. He's a good God. He really is. Others would want you to believe that God isn't good. Others would want you to believe that God is very angry and aggressive and very vengeful. God's good. He's a good God. He loves us very much. And like, like I prayed, he has no desire for anybody to perish. If you go away today and there's only one thing that you get, maybe it's your first time here and, and you know, wow, you've looked around and, and things have not sort of been usual to what you would think and associate church to be. If you only go away with one thought today, go away with this one. God is good. God is good. He loves us very much. And he's given Jesus to save us. And to, and to be the one that brings us on home with him and through this life. Amen. Today I want to really speak to you a message of hope. We've been looking at how God wants to give us joy in our lives. And I've been saying to you, we've got to pursue this joy that God has for us. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And as we pursue it and as, as it awakens and breaks out in our lives in various ways and in various situations that we find ourselves in. We're going to find great fruitfulness as a result of this joy. This joy is going to lead us into a wonderful place of strength. This joy that God has reserved for his people is going to take you through, through every storm, every crisis. And it's going to be a great light and a great message of hope for people around you. You're going to lead them, you're going to help them, and you're going to bring them through their troubles. 
And they're going to they're gonna rely on this joy that is going to be the same strength that you receive. They're going to receive it too. But the message that I want to speak to you about today is going to give you great hope and encouragement and strength. And it's all about joy, really, in a very, very difficult time. Today, we're going to look at a man in the Old Testament called Habakkuk. Everybody say, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. What a great guy. What a great, strong name. Habakkuk. We're going to look at Habakkuk. And Habakkuk lived in a very, very difficult time. In fact, he lived in a time of great darkness, a great crisis. Everything around him was failing. Everything around him was coming to an end in the time in which he lived. And yet Habakkuk, like many of the people in the Bible, rose up to become a great man of faith. His life becomes a great message of joy over defeat, of strength and victory and triumph over besetting circumstances and chaos. Habakkuk, a great man of faith, a man that stood in his time against all odds when everything was dark, when, when, when people en masse were disappointed and disillusioned, Habakkuk kept his faith in God. In fact, the name Habakkuk means the one who embraces, the one who clings to. And Habakkuk, in a very, very dark period in the history of Israel, was a man that lived true to his name. He didn't back off when trouble came. He didn't run away when there was a crisis. He ran to God. He clung to God. He embraced God. And I think his message stands as a wonderful testimony of faith for the people of God. His message stands today as a testimony for us to look at, an example for us to follow. Maybe you've had some bad news recently. Maybe there's been a crisis in your life. Maybe you've got more questions than answers. Maybe you've come despondent today and discouraged. But do you know what? The very fact that you're here sat down singing songs is a great act of faith. It really is on your behalf. And your emotions and your, your state of mind and your soul is not a reflection on your faith. You may be low. You may be despondent. You may be going through a tough time. But you made the journey here and God is pleased. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. In fact, it's in the book of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk, in the midst of all of the variances of life, lived by faith. And that simply means he put his trust in God. Put his trust in the one that he loved and the one that he knew would take him through and take him on. You're here today. God is pleased. You could have stayed at home. You could have, you know, drowned your sorrows in another bottle. You could, have, you could have done a million and one things, but you prioritize this time to make the journey to the house of God, to celebrate God's goodness with the people of God. That is faith. That is faith in God, trust in God in the midst of all of the complexities. And Habakkuk was a man like that, like this. All of the external things around Habakkuk within the nation in which he lived had been affected and destroyed. 
It was a time where the Babylonian army had come into Judah and they had completely ransacked the nation, completely destroyed everything that this nation had as a resource and had produced. There was devastation everywhere. And the nation was at an all-time low. You would be, wouldn't you? If everything is taken from you. You know, people in the Bible didn't have an easy life. They had a very hard life. They had a very severe course and road to walk on. But that's why God took them up within his word. So that their lives could be a great example for us testimonies to give us courage in our difficulty, in our trials, so that when we look at them, we can take comfort that if God can meet men and women in the situations of life that they find themselves in, he can meet us in ours. David said he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. And I'm telling you, no matter what difficulty or, or issue you struggle with, whether it's the voice of your past telling you that you're not going to have a future. Whatever it is, I'm telling you now, as an act of your will, you can make a decision to trust God in amidst all of that and God will come through for you. Your will is a wonderful thing. It's a bridge from where you are into everything that God has for you, especially when it's activated and actuated by faith. When you take your will and you mix it with faith, I'm telling you now, it's an unconquerable force. You've got to be strong, and you've got to exercise your will in what God has spoken, and that combination between the exercise of your will and the stimulating faith that God puts in your heart by his spirit, coupled to his word, I'm telling you now, enables you to overcome. You're more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens you. You really are. Your will has been given by God. And this, is the, this, this, this whole area is... is is sometimes difficult to understand, but the enemy wants to, he wants to trigger your will in a different direction. I'm telling you, you stand up to him. You be strong. Having done all to stand, you remain standing. And you come out, you come out fighting with the word of God, the joy in your heart, wielding the sword of the spirit, holding the shield of faith, your head adorned with the helmet of salvation, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Using the word of God through your mouth, I'm telling you now, you're undefeatable, church. Undefeatable. It's wonderful. This is only the introduction. <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 to verse 19. It says this, Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the of olive may fail and the fields yield no fruit, though the flocks may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will, I will. Now God isn't telling Habakkuk to do this. Habakkuk is telling God what he's going to do. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. 
The Lord God is my strength. And then, as a result of what Habakkuk has declared he will do, then he gets a revelation of what God will do. Sometimes God is just waiting for our will to be united with faith and the word of God and for us to come out fighting, I will go this, I will go this way, I will use my life as an as a instrument to trust God amidst all of these variances. God is waiting for us to take our will and use it positively towards him and then you'll get a revelation of what God will do. And Habakkuk finds that. He says, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. And he will make me walk on my high hills or my high mountains. God wants to do so much. He really does. But he's waiting for us to take that step, that determined step of faith in him for all of the resources of heaven to pour into our needy souls and our needy place of life. Habakkuk understood this. Habakkuk could have buried his head in the sand. Habakkuk could have cowered under despondency and defeat like everybody else. But no, he chose all of this devastation to be almost like a launch pad into a new level of life in God. These words from Habakkuk describes a picture of absolute devastation. They were under Major oppression now because the Babylonians had come in and through war had ransacked their, their whole nation. Morale was at an all-time low. Nobody had any faith. But this solitary figure, this man all alone on his own, cried out to God. And his voice was a voice of faith. His voice was a voice of hope in God. These people had nothing to eat. See, this is what Habakkuk is saying. Nothing to eat. Nothing to drink. Nothing to wear. Nowhere to hide. Out in the open land. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to turn seemingly, but Habakkuk turns to God. These were the brutal facts that nobody could get away from. Everything had failed. Everything had faltered. The things that should have been highly productive at harvest time had all come to an end. This was a crisis. This was a serious situation. And yet, in the midst of all of this, Habakkuk embraces God. You see, in times of difficulty and, and, and crisis and tragedy, sometimes because we're weak and we don't understand and we're just human, we, we, we turn on God. We blame God. And God can handle that. 
God doesn't ever push us away even because of that. He loves us. The Psalms that David wrote, many of them are just filled with questions and anger and emotion and, and, and just conflict. As he talks to God openly and honestly, God has got no problem with that at all because he understands the pain that we go through when we suffer loss. And he embraces God in the midst of all of this when everybody's turned their back on God. This man stands up and embraces God. And this is the message today, part of it anyway. Whatever you're going through, Whatever is telling you to relax your grip, no, embrace God all the more. Cling to God like you've never clung to him. David said he was going through a really tough time. King David, and he said, do you know what he said when he was going through a really difficult time? He said, my soul follows hard after you. He's expressing the passion, the determination, the unrelenting spirit, the unrelenting desire to take a hold of God. Everything is coming against him. Circumstances trying to, to be a wall, to, to, to break him down, to, to crush him so that he can't get to God. And he says, God, it doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, how they try to hold me back. It doesn't matter even if I'm banished to the ends of the earth. My soul follows hard after you. Let's be a church that can say, my soul follows hard after you. That's what you've done this morning by just being here, some of you. I'm telling you now, you've had, you've had a hard week. You may have had a hard year. You may have had stuff go on in your life that's really crushed you and hurt you and, and took you to your knees and you've cried tears. The fact that you're here, not just this week, but every week, is a testament to that very word that David spoke. Your soul is following hard after God. I'm telling you, listen, you're going to inherit the promise through your faith and your patience. You're going to inherit the promise that God has for you. Verse 17, as we've read, talks about everything failing, everything falling apart, everything coming to an end. And, you know, you when you understand the culture into, into which Habakkuk lived and the voice with which he spoke, and when you understand how reliant they were on, on the things that he spoke about in verse 17, you understand how desperate the situation was. He talked about the fig tree failing. The figs were, the, the fig tree brought forth figs 10 months of the year. They relied heavily on the fig tree, the nation of Judah. And they dried them and they would store them. And they were perfect for the hot climate in which they lived. It was, it was, a, it was a resource, a ready resource that they relied on. And that had come to an end. It had been cut off. He talks about the grapes were no longer on the vine. And the grapes provided wine, which was the safe drink of that time. It was also used for medicine. The olive was, was no longer being productive on the branch. There was no olive harvest 
And the olive would provide oil. And it had lots of uses. It would use, again, it would be used for medicinal purposes. It would be used for, um, for their skin to wash in. It would be used with their food. That had been cut off. No olive harvest. It was used for light and for fuel. And then he looked at the fields. And all, at, at different points all the way down through the year, these harvests would come successively. And yet one after another, they were all becoming redundant of any fruit. He looked at the fields and the fields didn't produce any wheat for bread. The sheep didn't produce any wool or any meat. The goats that would have provided meat, uh, milk were again cut off. Everything was so negative that this nation was experiencing. The ox that provided transport that they used for plowing the fields had all failed. So all of the elements that they relied on as a nation had been taken away from them. You know, some of the things that we have in life, we, we take for granted. Some of the things that we rely on a lot, you know, because they're everyday things, we just think that they're going to be there every day. When suddenly, sometimes they're taken away, we realize how reliant we were on those things that we took for granted. And maybe the nation of Judah had become reliant, very reliant on all of these aspects that were suddenly stripped. And now all of the resources were gone. And that's why they were so devastated. But do you know what? The joy of the Lord can even function. You see, it's fruit. It's a fruit. It's a fruit of the Spirit that He wants to cultivate in our lives. And that joy can rise and be such a rich reservoir of resource in our lives, no matter what the circumstances are. And this was the case for Habakkuk. All of these things were taken. They were stripped. And the nation was in a hopeless place. But not Habakkuk. He embraced God. In spite of everything that was around him. In spite of what was happening. That, does, that doesn't mean to say that he didn't cry tears. That doesn't mean to say that he wasn't completely distressed to see the nation that he loved completely destroyed. Of course he was. But deep inside him, a joy arose that enabled him to rise beyond where he was at into where God wanted him to be. He embraced God. He says this, verse 18, after describing the horrendous scene of a war-torn nation. Verse 18, he says, yet in spite of all of what I've described, in, in spite of everything I've witnessed, in spite of all of the destruction around me, yet I will rejoice. Do you know what that means? That word rejoice, it means to jump with joy. It means to exalt in God. It means to dance. It seems so contradictory. It seems crazy 
to actually to actually witness a situation like this in your life and in spite of it all, keep rejoicing in God. Keep jumping. Keep, keep exuberant in your praise to him. And yet this is the decision that this man of faith did. He embraced God. He clung to God. He rejoiced. He said, I'll, I'll rejoice in the Lord. I will joy. And that word joy means to spin around. To be under the influence of a violent emotion. Joy. My goodness. That's the power, you see. Now, if all of your investments are in external things, if all of our investments are in tangible, physical things, when those physical, tangible things are stripped away from us, then we're never going to experience this joy that Habakkuk and the Lord has reserved for us. But when this joy is in us and we, 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 we see Jesus as the ultimate treasure, the pearl of great price, the one who is fairer than all, fairer than ten thousands, then if everything is taken from us because our joy and our focus and our passion is in him, come what may, our loss will not touch us. Our loss will not affect that passion that we have for him. Yes, we'll be disappointed. Yes, we'll be confused. But you know what? We'll still be established in him. And then he says this, which is incredible. He's outlined what he's going to do with his will. Very clearly. He said, I'm not hanging around in despair. I am not going to blame God. I am not hanging around in the, 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 the darkness that's looming over the land. I, am, I, I will. I will joy in. He outlines two aspects that he's going to do with his will as a result of the faith that's burning inside him. And then he declares what God's going to do. The Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on the high hills. Do you know what? A number of months ago, I said to you, David, I believe it was, talked about the Lord melting the mountains like wax. At his presence, the mountain just melts. And God does that sometimes. He just comes into a situation that's obstructing you like a huge mountain that's towering over you. And his very presence and glory just levels and melts that mountain like wax to a flame of fire. He does that. There are occasions in our lives, maybe it's a habit, an addiction, that's just the opponent that you can't shake free. And the presence of God like fire comes in and melts and obliterates it. God does that. He melts the mountains like wax. Then Jesus spoke, didn't he, of speaking to the mountain. You can have faith like the size of a mustard seed, he said. And you can speak to that mountain, and that mountain has to respond to what you're declaring, and it has to move, and it can be overturned and thrown into the sea. That's the power of your faith. Under the influence, your voice under the influence of the Holy Spirit. 
It can actually do that. There are occasions in all of our lives where I'm sure we have, we have just said, no, I'm not going to accept this. I'm, that's not right for my life or anybody else's life. And you declare it under the power of the Holy Spirit and that thing's got to go. We've all seen that. Testimonies. But there's times where God empowers you. And like Habakkuk is, is describing, he gives you feet like hinds feet. When the terrain is all out of balance and when it's all crooked and it's all steep and, and it's towering over you. And, and maybe the presence of the Lord isn't going to melt it and level it. And maybe your words to it are not going to overthrow it and overturn it so it's going to go into the sea. Maybe God's going to give you the strength to climb over that thing that's towering you. And that's what Habakkuk declared. That's what he declared. He said, my feet, because I'm praising God, my feet are going to be like hinds feet. And I'm going to go up over this thing. I'm going to walk over the high hills, the high mountains that are towering over this nation. And we're going to have dominion again. We're going to have rule over what seemingly has rule over us. We're going to take, we're going to take ground and we're going to stand over that thing that seemingly overshadows us. And he declares it. And he sees what God Sees for his life. One man once said this. I like it. He said, it's not your conditions that determine your destiny, but your decisions. It's not your conditions, but your decisions that determine your destiny. Do you know how powerful your decision is? A decision that's actuated and triggered by your will under the power of the Holy Ghost is so awesome. It really is. And in amidst all of the difficult decision, uh, conditions that we face, one decision under God's influence, as an act of your will, brings all of heaven's blessing and all of heaven's backing with you, with you. I challenge you to do it. I challenge you to go from this place and make decisions. I challenge you. To use your very will positively for God and say, God, I'm, do you know what, God? I know you've talked to me about this area. God, I know that you're challenging me, challenging me to step out in faith. Go ahead, church. Listen to the voice of God and the whisper of the Spirit. Go ahead. He's with you to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. He really is. Your future is full of smiles. Your future is full of victory. Your future is full of blessing. Your future is full of abundance. I'm telling you now, the, the, the King of Kings does not bring his children up under poverty. The King of Kings does not get his children to beg for bread. Jesus said, Father, give us this day our daily bread. He wants to be involved in every moment of every day. He really does. Great resource, great blessing. Go ahead and make those decisions. Go ahead and take that step. You've got hinds feet to walk on mountains, to walk on everything that opposes you, to walk on every elevated place 
that said, you're not coming up here. Oh, yeah, you are. Oh, yeah, you are. That says, you're not, you're not going to overcome that habit. Oh, yeah, you are. It's going to be under your feet. That towering thing, whatever it is, if it's an angry attitude, if it's a character trait, if it stalked you and you're just, you're just fed up of it, I'm telling you now, he leads his people in triumph. It's the word of God. 2 Corinthians, he leads his people in triumph, not in defeat. 2 Corinthians, let's read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul understood this. And the context that Paul is speaking in is one of darkness and one of hardship and one of challenge and pressure. And this is what he comes out and says. Now thanks be to God who always leads us, who always, not sometimes, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. There's always victory. There's always triumph for the child of the king. Amen? Hinds feet to walk on the high places. When I was reading this, we're going we're gonna to close in a minute. When I was reading this, this week, my mind, actually it was yesterday, my mind went back to an occasion when we were having lunch at uh, John and Karen's house. We go there every week. We're going there today. We've been going there for 18 years. <laughs> Serious? It's, oh, what a blessing they are. But uh, yeah, John said, oh, David, he said, I got this, um, this video to show you. And uh, it's all about, I think it's called, is it called Planet Earth or something? With, uh, I think it's David Attenborough. I don't know. It's somebody, you know, one of them. And um, they showed this ibex, which is like, it's like a deer, right? And um, shows this ibex just scaling, a number of them, just scaling the cliff. Let me show it to you right now so that you might get some idea as to what Habakkuk was talking about and the message that the Holy Spirit wants to seed into our hearts in scaling mountains. Take a look at the screens. All it can do is wait for one to slip and fall. Youngsters are fast learners, and they're now almost as sure-footed as their parents. will have to find its meal elsewhere. 
Come on, Jesus. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. What a joy it is to scale the mountains, to not hang around in the valleys, to know that your life has been transformed to the extent that nothing now is unscalable. You are more than, this is what Paul saw, you are more than conquerors. Not because you're great or I'm great or we've got anything notable about ourselves. No, because Christ strengthens you. Jesus strengthens you. I'm telling you now. You're not living under any mountain anymore. You will just find an ability within yourself to run and to scale the unscalable. And others may hold back. Others may, may try to hold you back in fear and you'll say, no, watch this. You can come if you want. I'll show you how to do this. I'm telling you now, it could be your job. There's been a ceiling on it. It could be family life, pressures. You don't know how to get through with children. There's a, there's a million and one things, cares. Just try to act as barriers and walls and unscalable things. No, you're going to be like that little ibex. You're going to be like the deer that Habakkuk spoke about. And in a world of darkness, in a world of hardship, in a world of defeat, you're going to scale the unscalable. And you're going to rise. Isaiah knew that when he said, do you know what? The people of God, both young and old, shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. They shall rise up with wings. God's not taking you down. He's taking you up. He's taking you up. He really is, church. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus praise for his word. The joy of the Lord is going to fill you. My goodness me. The joy of the Lord is going to fill you. Yeah, it's going to be a bit frightening when we hit some things that we're unsure and uncertain about, like that little naughty fox chasing us. It's going to be a bit, maybe a bit scary. But oh, the joy and the fulfillment in God as you see Him enable you to do what only He can do for you. Amen. Amen. Right now, at the close of this service, I'm just going to pray a prayer. And maybe you're here today, like Faye said, really, for the first time. And, you know, you've never prayed a prayer asking Jesus into your heart. Today, I'd love to pray a prayer. And you can say it quietly in your heart. A prayer where you invite Jesus into your heart. Listen, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how when I prayed a simple prayer and just said, Oh, Jesus, will you forgive me of my sin? Jesus, will you just come into my heart? It was just simple. It was really coarse. It's a really coarse prayer that I prayed. And I still pray him now. I don't know how he responded to that and he came into my heart with peace for the first time. I don't know how he did it, but that's what he does. It really is. Maybe today you're here and you'd like to say that. You'd like to make this the day 
that the Lord makes for you. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. Let's close our eyes. Just say this quietly in your heart with me. Just say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I ask you to be my salvation. Today I call on your name for salvation. Give me the peace that I need in my heart. Amen.